Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Notes from a Midwest Cowgirl with me, Grace Piersdorf. Today we're going to do another Girl Talk episode. If you didn't listen to last week's, that was a Girl Talk episode with my close friend Haley, and we got together and talked about all things dating, um, just relationships, and leading into marriage as she is a married woman. So if you haven't caught up on that, I would highly recommend that Girl Talk episode. But today's episode is a recording with my friend Kari. She is not uh, in the same state that I am, so we recorded it online and audio was a little funky at times, but overall it was a really good um, chat with her, just learning more about where we're both at in life. Uh, We're really both passionate about conservation and caring for our world. And we end up talking about this new documentary. It's called Sea Spiracy. And if you haven't heard about that, I would highly recommend checking it out on Netflix. But I also want to just update from what I say later on that there are always different perspectives and different ways of broadcasting information. And that documentary definitely pulls at your heartstrings, which I believe is pathos, appealing to your emotions. It really like focuses heavily on that. So just know that like you might feel a really strong pull during the documentary, which is good. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but always remember there's different sides to information. So I know um, they show a lot to do with dolphins and whales and sharks and our fishing industry. And a lot of that is very important and is factual, but always remember there are different sides, different things. So anyways, just wanted to give that disclaimer, but I hope that you enjoy today's episode and just sit back and relax for another girl talk. All right, guys. So here we are with Kari. We had some technical difficulties, but we got through it. And here we are. We're hoping that you're listening to this. Um, But yeah, Kari uh, is currently in another state. So we're trying this out long distance. And we're going to see how it goes. Um, But do you want to give just a short summary of who you are and how we met? Yeah, sure. So like Grace said, I'm Kari. I am from Minnesota and that's where I am now. Um, I graduated from Bethel University last May. So I'm a fresh, well, still kind of fresh grad (laughs) and have kind of been working in different areas this year um and next fall I'll be starting grad school out in Colorado um in environmental engineering um but Grace and I we met at camp Covenant Pines in summer 2018 right Mm -hmm. Um, So that was after my sophomore year of college. And I mean, Grace could probably tell how she ended up at camp, which is kind of a fun story. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely you get to know other staff members really well there. And I think we were destined to be friends. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if Grace knows this, but actually in the beginning of the summer, um, I was talking with some of the other staff because I had worked there the year before and we we're kind of like 
just getting a feel for the new staff who were there the next summer. And I remember our friend Jenna, she asked me, she's like, so do you have any friend crushes on staff right now of like people you want to be friends with? And I was like, oh, definitely Grace. (laughs) (laughs) And I think she said Grace too. Everyone wanted to be friends with you. So if that, yeah. That warms my heart. I don't think, I don't know if I knew that. I don't remember, but yeah, Covenant Pines, man, that is, geez, if you've ever worked at a camp, like, I think you understand camp culture. Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. grow up going to a camp at all. Well, I went to like one, but that didn't really count. So um, when I, well, let's just go back. So it was spring of 2018 and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I definitely could have gone more of like an internship route, but that didn't seem like me at the time. And I didn't feel confident in pursuing that. And I previously had just worked like, you know, some kind of local summer job the years, the summers prior. And I wanted something new. I wanted something different, wanted to expand just my outlook on life and meet new people. And I just felt like God was calling me to work at camp. And I also had the option to go on summer mission with my campus ministry, but I, I just didn't feel called to that. And I felt guilty, honestly, because I was like, man, like all these other people I know, like they have felt called to do that during their summers. And I'm like, I'm not. And is that like, am I not hearing God correctly? Or like, why do I not want to do that at all? But mm-hmm. I thought of, a summer camp and like a Bible camp in particular, I thought would be fun, but I had no idea of where to apply. I'd never been to one. And so I literally did a Google search of like (laughs) Bible camp and mind you, I like went to school um, in Wisconsin, but I, for some reason, just like broadened my perspective into neighboring States just to see where things, you know, would go. I definitely saw a couple other camps that looked decent. Um, But when I saw Covenant Pines, like the pictures looked so amazing. They looked like they were having so much fun. The website was really nicely done. And I thought, sure, what the heck? Uh, They have really good Google reviews. I don't, I don't know how to like judge, you know, a (laughs) camp. And I felt like their beliefs aligned with mine. And so I just started the application. um, And I remember later, I think it was Jenna who told me that like they had seen the start of my application, but I hadn't finished yet. So then they were like looking me up online and um, Jenna actually went to my college for like a year. So she had a couple mutual friends with me, but I didn't know her at this time. Um, But anyway, so like working on this application and I'm pretty sure it was before I had finally submitted it that one day my roommate came downstairs And I look at her sweatshirt that she's worn before, but I've never looked at it. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm applying to that camp (laughs) on your sweatshirt. And so she ends up telling me that she grew up going to this camp. And it's like such a weird thing that I don't know if my mind was like prepped, you know, by seeing her sweatshirt before and then like applying to this camp. But it was just such a funny thing that she had gone there. So I was like, well, great. Like I have a close person who is telling me it is a good camp. So I felt more secure. 
in that. Um, but anyways, long story short, I did end up working at camp and was a counselor, which there are, oh, there are quite a few stories to tell from camp. If you've ever worked at camp, I'm sure <laughs> there are stories galore yes. and like camp culture that applies to your camp. Like we would have late night cereal runs and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. When campers weren't there, we weren't taking our campers well, at least I, my cabin wasn't. <laughs> we did not take the campers <laughs> in for cereal late at night, but I won't speak for my other staff. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kari was someone, I don't, we weren't close. I don't think the first half of the summer, like we were definitely friendly, of course, but I think it was like the more second half I felt like of the summer that we got closer, but honestly, we're definitely way closer now than we were at camp Mm -hmm. um which I think is just what happens when you're friends for longer but um yeah Kari was just like she's a very bubbly person but like a very um just like I would say sunshine when I think of you I would say um she was always someone I could go to if I like needed help or I was stressed or you know what I mean Kari is just um that's someone that I relied on because if you're new to camp or if you're, you know, new to that particular camp and people have grown up there or worked at camp for many years, there is like a camp culture that as a newbie, you can't, in some ways you just can't fit into because they're telling stories of years prior yeah. and people you don't know. So it can be um, kind that's of exclusive. Cool. Yeah. Which it's hard because when you see these people, like you want to talk about these certain stories that you share together. And I, totally understand that now looking back but yeah when you're a newbie sometimes mm-hmm. in any and I would apply this to any situation in life I feel like a newbie into a new setting it's it can very much be exclusive because naturally we like form groups and we form stories and people love telling stories but when there's someone who isn't a part of that how do you I guess focus on making new stories versus like telling the old ones I guess right it's almost like you have to be super intentional about living in the present versus just like hanging on to old memories and things that make you feel comfortable or at home so yeah Yeah. um and was like summer of 2017 was that the first summer you worked there yeah that was my first summer so I was a counselor summer 2017 and 2018 at a different role um but I had grown up going to camp um pretty much all from second grade until my senior year of high school and I just like went with my friends and I enjoyed it a lot um I know a lot of people who worked on staff also did like junior counseling and other extra things so they spent like multiple weeks at camp (laughs) Um, Mm. when they're in high school but um, I yeah I don't know how I ended up working at camp was more just like I don't know what I'm doing the summer after my freshman year and I feel like this sounds like a fun job and I wanted to give back in some way to a place that had um, just been a fun escape for me as a kid and a place where I felt um 
like I could grow in my faith apart from the influences of my family and friends back at home and like um, just the strictness of that life versus um, camp where you are out in nature and you are with people who are encouraging you and just wanting you to have the best time all the time. So I can see, mm-hmm. yeah, why so many people call camp like their second home or um, just like one of their favorite places on earth. Um, mm. So I think it's a super special place. And yeah, I made a ton of friends working there, which was a really, really great thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, camp, like it just solidifies friendships in a different way and not that you can't make great friendships elsewhere but at camp like you go through it all together and you really see um maybe like the real side of people sometimes when you're exhausted you're getting up at 6 a.m for your morning meeting (laughs) and you like have to put on a good face you got to bring your campers to breakfast you're like it's gonna be a long you know hot summer day and you're bebopping around, you have to make it over here at this time, and you gotta, oh my, all the things that camp brings you together. Um, Do you have any either funny stories or, like, memorable moments that stick out to you at all from camp? Oh my, Um, well, there are a few. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of my most memorable moments were just, like, weekends at camp because each each weekend you have like a day and a half in between each session and that's when the staff usually hangs out goes on some adventures even though you're all super tired and probably should be sleeping (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I just remember doing some fun things like spontaneously camping um, on the North Shore one night or climbing up. Um, there's a fire tower in the town that camp is in that we would climb and hammock in sometimes. Um, <laughs> going thrifting. Um, yeah, lots of other fun things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually what I not forget about, but I just remind myself like, yeah, we worked really hard, mm-hmm. but those day and a half off we, made like, the most of we would them. go up, we, oh my goodness it was like the second we were released we all just like scrambled like we have this many hours we can go up to Duluth mm-hmm. or you know wherever like that's where I fell in love with the North Shore and Lake Superior which is by far like the most superior lake of the Great Lakes like I've you know I've seen Lake Michigan I appreciate it but there's something about Lake Superior about it's it. just something about the beauty and there are so many amazing stops along the North shore. If you either live up in that area or have been up there, I'm sure, you know, like the fall, Oh my goodness. The fall Mm -hmm. colors are absolutely incredible. Just blazing oranges and reds. And I would highly recommend going up past Duluth um, different times that you have, because it is beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I guess that kind of goes into, um, would you mind sharing, you know, it could be a short snippet or uh, whatever you want about kind of like your Christian faith um, growing up and like where you're at kind of now? 
Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home, and I was raised in the Covenant Church. It's kind of like a, I don't know, I'd say medium ground denomination, nothing like too hardcore about their beliefs, but I think it was a good place to be raised. Um, And I, I think I always just accepted um god and my faith and just i knew there was a higher power but i never um i didn't know how to make it personal until later in life um like i said before there were many times at camp where i felt like i really connected with god um but especially in high school, I did not place God first in my life. And I tried to find my identity in a lot of other things, um, like sports or academics. And going into college, I wasn't really interested in continuing to pursue my faith. Um, I was like, well, I'll probably find a church because that's what you do um you know it was just part of my culture that um you go to church on Sundays and talk a little about it pray before you eat um but when I got to college my first year so my first my freshman year I went to Michigan Tech University and it I I love this school and I made some great friends, but my first week there, um, you know, going in with the mindset of like not really looking to get involved in campus ministries or anything, but um, I ended up at this event for Christians on campus, and I met a few of my best friends there who were in crew, a campus ministry that Grace was also a part of at Eau Claire. Um, And they just welcomed me in and invited me to a Bible study and a bonfire that week. And I was like, well, at this point, like, I don't really have many friends. And um, this sounds kind of fun. So I went along with it. And Mm -hmm. that group of friends ended up being like my family and um, just really encouraged me to pursue my faith more. And taught me more about sharing my faith with other people um and I remember a moment at a crew retreat in the fall um when I was sitting journaling by myself and I was thinking and praying and I was like you know like this is what my life is about like nothing else matters except for my faith because without God I would feel like I have no purpose and this is what I'm living for like nothing else materialistically like none of the achievements I make on earth like will be remembered or give me the fulfillment and satisfaction that comes through Christ so that's yeah Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah, no, that's, I resonate with that. Mm-hmm. And I in some ways have a similar story. Um, but yeah, college for me was that time 
and I made my faith my own and like discovered what other people like what their journeys have been or what they also experienced because I never really been a part of a strong Christian community so mm-hmm. I think college is a really great time to like discover that and you know if you're out of college and you haven't discovered that yet I think later in life of course as well but college is that time when you are figuring out mm-hmm. who you are what your priorities are um and that sort of thing yeah um, and being like in a time where you are finally more independent so even after college too like mm. you can't just go along with what your parents tell you to do mm-hmm. or you realize that you might have different beliefs than them so um definitely a time when you get to decide for yourself um what you believe mm-hmm. and what you want to pursue in your life yeah um so then i wanted to ask you about we both are in the stem world um yeah. and i was a bio major and you were a chem major mm-hmm. would you mind like kind of explaining your journey like going into chemistry and you did go to a private college. Mm-hmm. So I guess we, we have different experiences with like faith and science. So I was curious of what that was kind of like being in a science field, but also going to like a Christian university. Yeah. So after my freshman year, I transferred to Bethel, which is a Christian school. And um, I think like, when I started out in college, it never really occurred to me that there are many conflicts with faith and science. Um, Mm. And honestly, I don't remember much from my freshman year going to a public school. I mean, we obviously didn't really talk about like the creation story or anything. Um, But when I was at Bethel, I like... I don't think I ever had many, like, debates or big discussions about conflicts, but it was more, like, a lot of my professors were pretty intentional about saying, you know, this is why I study what I study, and, like, would make comments like, oh, this is so cool, and, like, this is what gives me more awe and wonder at God's creation and just how like God has made everything so unique and detailed um I know specifically one of my professors um was teaching us about um some things in genetics and just how like genes adapt and change over time and he was like you know a lot of people um, use evolution against God, but mm-hmm. I think that the fact that living beings can change and adapt and become stronger mm-hmm. and better over time just shows how cooler, how much cooler um, mm-hmm. God's creation is because he didn't just create things that were stagnant and might die over time because um the climate changes and um 
he instead created things that are able to become better and survive um, longer and in different ways. So, yeah, I don't know. Just Wow. I don't think I've heard that perspective yeah. before. I mean, going to public university, we definitely don't talk about God mm-hmm. at all. Um, but that's really unique. Uh, just a different way of looking at um, why we change and you know that word evolve yeah. is uh interesting i know like going to a public university like being in my christian um campus organization i think we had at different times like over 100 students and i was from what it seemed like one of like the few that was in the science field and i always felt like man like you know, I mean, we had all sorts of majors at my school, but I was like, why am I? I feel like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just felt weird to me that I was like, can I be a Christian and believe in science? Yeah. And I think that's something that still, I don't know, not bothers me, but I still am like searching for answers because so much of like what the world says science is, they say God is not. And that it's hard to like, do I fit God into science or do I fit science into God and how does that you know I don't know play a role have you ever like had those thoughts or do you think because you were able to go to a Christian school that you were more solidified in that um I feel like at my school I never really had to think about that because it was kind of assumed well Maybe this is a bad thing, but it was kind of assumed that everyone was Christian. And so there was no debate whether, like, you could be in Christian, you could be a Christian and in science or the other way around because everyone was both. (laughs) Um, Mm. But yeah, that's interesting. Do you ever feel like you, like your friend group or your Christian friend group? at school like discouraged you from studying science or like questioned you about that hmm I would say overall no I think majority of my close friends who are Christians in college they were also nursing majors so they were still kind of in that sciencey world and it's I don't want to say it's a ton different, um, but in some ways it's a little different, like course wise and like what you talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, like I definitely, I took courses on evolution and that sort of thing. And I know at least I'm pretty sure the nursing majors did not have to do that. Um, but yeah, I think it was just more in my own mind, like my own insecurities of like things I talked about in class or people like i f- well, I could say there was definitely one girl in one of my courses I know was a Christian or like a couple people, but I felt like the majority of people definitely weren't Christian or like maybe didn't even think you could be a Christian and believe in science, like hard science. Um, And that's a whole nother topic of like hard sciences versus soft sciences, but I believe bio to be a hard science. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I think my own insecurities and less of like people actually asking me questions. But I always thought like if someone asked me, like, what would I say? Um, right. Like, I like to 
I know I, I don't even want to say I like to believe in science. I believe in science because for me, like the definition of science is like fact, mm-hmm. like you can analyze things in different ways and facts can be, you know, applied differently. But at the same time, like, I feel like data is data. Um, but don't like look at data and like assume one thing, you know what I mean? Like you can't right. just say, you know, like a good example, like, um, let's say, let's say, make it really silly. Like at this one spot, like five chickens cross the street every day. Like that's a fact, but then you can make assumptions, you know, based on that, either you can say, oh man, those chickens are really like infested that area. Like we need to, you know, chickens <laughs> are taking over the world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can look at one and analyze it. But the fact is, is that five chickens cross the road every day. You know what right. I mean? So you interpret it um, can be very different. Yes. So I think that's where like science. Um, well, I don't even want to say science differs between people because in, in my mind, it goes back to like science is science. But anyways, I'm still like learning mm-hmm. in that area and whatnot. So that's. That's my own journey, I guess. Yeah, and there are, like, many things that science can't explain. And, like, how do you comprehend, like, phenomena that, like, paranormal activity and whatever, Um, which is a whole other topic. But, yeah, I think I, I agree that science is fact and, like, a way to prove things but it is the things for me that science can't explain like we don't know what happened millions of years ago on the earth except from some theories and guesses we can make and like the few ways that there exist to study the past Mm. so no one can Mm like definitely prove what happened um in the creation or the big bang whatever you want to call it Mm. um Mm -hmm. so i i think to me science is just a cool way to study the earth to study the laws that god has placed over the natural um world to make it function and work on its own like a machine kind of um (laughs) Mm. and we can use science to do so many cool things and that's just what um gives me a lot of awe is just knowing that like all of the advancements in um medicine from science like we can save people's lives using um, yeah drugs and different surgical techniques um but also technology which allows us to call our friends halfway across the world or (laughs) record this podcast um Mm. or even technologies like stuff that cleans our water so that we can have safe drinking water so I think, yeah, science is just so useful, and I, I think God designed us to be 
curious about the world around us and want to study it. And um, it's just like a gift that we can apply it to many problems and um, yeah, use it for good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I fully agree. I think I've been trying to look at science more of like science as a way to explain God's beauty, Mm -hmm. God's like design for the world and a way to serve our world and take care of our world and also like serve others. Yeah. Um, Because I don't, I don't think science and technology should be for serving ourselves. It should be like for serving the world and those who don't have access to that technology, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts, Kari, on what God has said for us taking care of our world? Because I know, I know there are people out there, um, whether it's Christian or non-Christian, that they think like, it's fine. We don't need to take care of this planet. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe God will planet in heaven or, you know, whatever you think. Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, As far as like the Bible, what the Bible says um, from, I mean, I have my thoughts, but I know that like generally the conflict comes down to debating Genesis 1 and how God puts humans in charge of the earth he gives us authority um and power and some people take that as in we have control over the earth's resources and like let's use them um and exploit them Mm -hmm. um because it doesn't matter and god's going to provide us whatever um but i Mm -hmm. would interpret that passage more when god says you have dominion over the earth as in we need to care for the earth's resources um rather than just use them for our own um use but because Mm -hmm. we are also called to love other people um it's really important that we are using them carefully and sustainably because Mm. um, science has shown us that in the exploitation of the earth's resources, it leaves other people either without resources or with damaged resources. And our earth is slowly becoming um, removed of the... No. (laughs) Resources are... (laughs) being drained from the earth and so in the future there are going to be less abundant um, resources such as trees and water and clean air Um, and so it's important that we take care of our future generations by um, making sure that there's going to be available land and water and food um, because these are given us and also like other Christian values I have are generosity and um, caring for the poor and needy so um, I think that all goes back to um, just yeah being careful 
intentional about how how we use the things God has given us because yes mm-hmm. they are gifts from above um but we have responsibility over that mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a very valid point I know people could say well I don't see much change and you know the weather changes every year or mm-hmm. well I'm breathing clean air and there's still trees around me or um you know whatever argument they have like I understand their points but you just might not be directly affected by these environmental issues right around you maybe you live in an area where the air is clean because you're not living near factories because you're in a more wealthy part of the world that doesn't have that so then you have clean air and you have access to clean drinking water mm-hmm. and you know all the things that like in your let's just say it like privileged world like you don't have to deal with and that's mm-hmm. great for you but we have to i would say whether you're a christian or or not whether you have you know a belief system or you're just living in this world like i believe that we all as humans should take care of one another like selfishness can manifest in many different ways but mm-hmm. we should take care of one another whatever your belief system is like no one was put on this earth and wants to deal with the troubles that they're given like we all are raised in different environments and like that's not our choice i mean i didn't i don't remember signing a form saying you know, you're going to get this type of family with this income and these will be your struggles. You know what I mean? Like we are all just born and we have to deal with the world around us. And that, you know, changes depending on where you were born, when you were born, you know, what sort of family, what sort of environment. So I think we all need to take care of one another. And that maybe sounds like a really big task, um, but we all need to just do our own baby steps to take care of this earth because maybe I hope you're paying attention that this this earth um needs our help desperately um in so many ways so I know like Kari and I were both passionate about taking care of this earth and like plastic is a really big issue you know carbon emissions all these different things um and we both was it the summer of camp that that's when you became pescatarian vegetarian yes <laughs> yeah through the that influence was... of grace and other friends <laughs> and just yeah. informing myself about the mm. impacts of the meat industry but yes mm-hmm. grace was one. yeah I remember it was like like no offense to camp love camp food but I felt like I was eating meat for every meal um mm-hmm. And just really was feeling like a lot by the end of the summer. And um, a couple other individuals had also gone vegetarian or pescatarian, maybe vegan too, um, throughout the summer. And I don't think all of their choices were because of camp. I think it was just um, just their own choices. But at the end of the summer, I was like, I'm just going to try it and go from there. And I was going to be pescatarian because I felt I needed Um, like I would eat eggs, which I know people could say like is, you know, comes from a chicken, it would be developed into a chicken, you know, anyways, but I eat eggs and then fish. Um, So that was going to be my choice. Um, But I thought I'd try it for a while. And it's uh, been two and a half years, not quite three 
that I've still um, made that decision. Um, have you also, have you gone back at all or have you consistently been doing this? Yeah, I I mean, there have been a few times where I've accidentally eaten meat, but <laughs> yeah, I've been pescatarian as well. And I also eat eggs and I haven't brought myself to give up dairy. So mm. um, I'm not a vegan, but um mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I can't believe it's been two and a half years, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems normal now. Yeah, I definitely, sometimes I tell people I would go back for chicken. I don't really care much about pork or beef Mm -hmm. at all, but chicken sometimes, like I used to really enjoy orange chicken in high school, but yeah, so I miss, I miss chicken sometimes, but not enough that I've gone back for it. Um, I just sometimes like the, well, the guilt of so many things. <laughs> sometimes when you have more knowledge about like your impact on the world, I feel like more guilty, like um, the carbon emissions from me is so big, but also the carbon in water use um, for like a pair of jeans, like buying a brand new pair mm-hmm. of jeans is like so much also. So I feel like the more we learn, the more devastating I feel about my impact on the world. I know it's, it's sad. And I, I see why people just don't want to be informed. And when I, whenever I suggest certain documentary podcasts to people, they're like, Oh, cool. Probably won't check it out. It's like, you know, ignorance is bliss, but it very much is. Yeah. Like, there are those people that know everything and I can't even imagine like what that's like to know even more than what I know and like how mm-hmm. like our planet is is about to like combust I feel like times like we're just gonna end up with nothing yeah I don't know I think there is hope in knowing the things that we can do mm-hmm. even if they're tiny tiny impacts mm-hmm. um I like to think that I'm doing something by being vegetarian or trying to cut down on my plastic use. Mm. Um, But yeah. yeah. What would you say to someone who like doesn't feel like they've been making a positive impact on the world? Like what would you tell them to do for like a small first step? Ooh, good question. Um, I mean, being vegetarian is, like, a big step. Um, So I would say if you want to focus on, like, how your, like, how what you eat is impacting the earth, I would say, like, maybe start by cutting meat out of one meal of your day or um, just trying to have it less frequently. Um maybe start thrifting more Mm. um just because that's like a trendy thing to do now which is great we can Um, talk about thrifting forever oh yes love thrifting um but that's a good step to like changing where your clothes are coming from and um just taking or not putting more back 
into the cycle of like buying new clothes and throwing them away. Oh, also like I would say giving away your old clothes or other items Mm. rather like just bring them to goodwill. It's so Mm. easy to drop stuff off Mm -hmm. at a thrift store rather than throwing it in the trash. Yeah, Um, that is true. Like, I guess I, I mean, I definitely throw away socks when they are holy and beyond mm-hmm. use. But then I also know like um, people that use socks like in, for whatever, like garage yeah, project like a rag or something, right? Like as a rag. So that's another way of repurposing that I could use my socks for. So then I feel like yeah. guilty about throwing away my socks even, but I guess people throw away clothes. That makes me really sad to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, clothes getting thrown away versus just just donating them if they are wearable right yeah another thing that's easy to do is getting like produce bags for the store I know there are like very few zero waste markets and I've been to one hmm. in the Twin Cities mm-hmm. um, so shopping like in bulk like that can be difficult but one quick step if you're just going to your target or walmart is bringing your own produce bags because it's so easy and you don't have to spend five minutes like trying to open up the <laughs> oh my gosh bags. that's like one been one of the weirdest things that has changed since covid like yes I, i'm gonna be honest like i would lick i would lick my fingers just to get that, <laughs> that little plastic bag to come apart and now i'm like oh that was a really poor choice even prior to COVID. Like, right. I don't know what germs are on my hand and I did it, but now it's like, I can't. Um, so I have literally, a good thing. <laughs> right. I have definitely spent five to 10 minutes trying to get those silly little plastic yeah. bags, you know, apart now because a lot of my grocery stores don't allow mm. usable bags right now, which I can understand, but I definitely miss, I miss just opening my drawstring um, bag from home and propping my produce right in there and yeah. not having to worry about those silly little terrible <laughs> plastic mm-hmm. bags. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. So maybe soon I'll try and use my, like I'll wash them before I bring them, but I mean, I'm already bringing my hands and my body. <laughs> in. So You know what I mean? Like I understand the thought process behind not bringing bags in, but if I'm bringing my whole body in, you know, masked up, but still my hands and, you know, I'm just saying, I don't know. I'm not a true scientist. So I don't actually know if like how important that is, but maybe I'll try and bring in my bags soon. Right. Um, and so going off of that, I came across, well, okay. I didn't come across a documentary. I have heard about this documentary for, I don't know how long it's been out a week, couple weeks. I'm not sure. I just know it's caught a lot of attention, like good attention. And I had come home from work last night and just was like, well, let's just see what's on Netflix. And so I started playing it and it was, I mean, not late, but I was tired. So I was like, I'll probably watch maybe 30 minutes of it. And it's like an hour and a half documentary. It's called Seaspiracy, like C and the word conspiracy, Seaspiracy. And I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing in one sitting, was like not on my phone, not distracted. And I 
absolutely loved it. And so I mentioned it to Kari because we were going to be recording today. And she also watched the whole documentary. <laughs> it was too good. Uh, I couldn't stop. Right? What were like your first reactions when you started watching it? Um, I guess like there, there were several things that, you know, I had heard facts about or just kind of had general knowledge about the fin- the fishing industry, but never realized like how big its impact is. And um, like, I think one thing that I had heard before is that the majority of the plastic in the ocean is um, is from commercial fishing, just like unused nets or stuff that gets lost or thrown overboard. Um, but did you say 46% of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is fishing material? Um, mm-hmm. Which that's a huge percentage if you think mm-hmm. about it because I think most of us just think it's like plastic bags and straws right. um, yeah, or other straws. packaging that's- and when we try to cut down on our plastic like that's what we're focusing on obviously because we aren't the ones fishing right but we think of it as like our own impact like how can mm-hmm. I make different choices yeah right but like we if we're still eating fish I still eat fish I mean I haven't since last night but (laughs) um like I'm still having an impact on that plastic in the ocean because I'm supporting the fishing industry in that way um so that was something big that stood out to me um Mm -hmm in just the waste and accumulation of plastic. Um, Yeah, there were a lot of other um, things that stood out. I didn't take as good of notes (laughs) as Grace, but what were some big things for you? Yeah, um, well, to give you guys a brief, like, quick summary um, of what it is, it is a documentary Oh, shoot. I don't know the guy's name. I apologize. But Seaspiracy is the Netflix documentary. And he and his partner traveled to different parts of the world. Um, His main passion, he's always loved the ocean, but in particular, dolphins and whales is something he grew up and is super passionate about. And he's, I think, in his like mid 20s, maybe late 20s by this point. But at the beginning of the documentary, he referenced like the age of 22 and he was trying to make a difference. And so he wants, he wanted to learn more about whaling and the dolphin industry. If you ever heard about, um, in Japan, I think it was like 2016 or 2017, there was like a large story of these dolphins getting killed in this one area in in Japan. And I believe it's pronounced Taiji, T-A-I-J-I. In Japan, and that area is very well known for killing dolphins, um, killing dolphins and capturing dolphins. I should correct myself. Um, and so, one of the beginning scenes is they go to Taiji and they secretly record 
the large corral in this cove along the shore of these dolphins. And it is devastating and it's brutal. So I will say if you are not someone who enjoys um, seeing blood in any capacity or any death, like that is very much shown, but it's, it's a reality that I think we need to wake up to. Um, and I, I was passionate about, well, especially orcas, um, like freshman year of college, I almost went and did marine biology. And that definitely is still a passion of mine and at the center of my heart. But I had watched a couple of different documentaries, Blackfish, which I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix. It was for a really long time. But Blackfish is a really great documentary. Um, and then Mission Blue. And so those are documentaries that also focus on similar topics. But Seaspiracy kind of, he finds out that it's so much bigger than he even imagined. It's not just about um, dolphins and whaling. It goes into the fishing industry. And like some of those dolphins are captured for, I guess I won't say names in particular, but just different like aquariums and sea shows. Like that's where they train the dolphins, train the whales, that sort of thing. But he was finding out they don't just capture the dolphins. They also kill them because the fishing industry sees the dolphins as competition. And if the dolphins aren't there to eat the fish, then the fishing industry can bring in more fish because that is a thing they're having difficulty with is in some ways finding enough fish Mm -hmm. and being able to sell those because since the industrial revolution, our way of fishing has dramatically changed. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs, but like we have fish at every grocery store, a wide selection, and that's not coming from like your local pond or lake. Um, Like that's coming from across, I mean, depending on where you live in the U.S. or wherever, like that's coming from way, way, ways away. Like it's so far away from you and it's ending up on your shelf. Um, and most of us don't think about it. We just take in the fish. Uh, and I'll be honest that, especially as a pescatarian, like I will often, it was this week, I got fish tacos. And now I look at that fish taco and I think about all of what could have been going on to get that fish. And um, so I don't want to like spoil too much of the documentary, um, but I will just say watch it. And um but I, I do want to like give you guys a couple facts because I'm not going to tell the whole story, but we were both watching it. And I know we both felt, um, I think, would you say Kari, like jabs in the heart a little bit oh, yeah. and like, <laughs> like jabs at the soul, like this is going on and I'm not doing anything about it. Right. Or I just had no idea what was happening. Right. Yeah. But you did mention, you mentioned the great Pacific garbage patch. Um, did you know anything about that before watching that documentary? Um, I knew some about it, um, just that it's huge and it exists. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just sitting there in the ocean. Yeah. Um, I think I first learned about it approximately freshman year of college when I became more interested in the ocean and so my, my understanding of it is, so it's called the Great Pacific Garbage Patch because it's in the Pacific Ocean. And when I first learned about it, I envisioned like one swirling mass, like an island of ocean waste, like just plastics and trash and whatnot. 
but in reality, it's just the way the ocean currents are. It like swirls all of, not the whole world's trash, but you know, you have, you have uh, Canada and the US and Mexico and South America on that Eastern side. And then you have Australia and um, you know, the Asian countries and Japan's along that border all around that side. And it all kind of swirls into the middle of the ocean. But I did learn because I did just envision like one little island. Um, it's just like a lot, like a lot of plastic, a lot of garbage in that area. But like Kari mentioned, 46% reportedly is fishing nets and gear. So that's like ropes, lines, crates, like all the things they need on fishing vessels. They just, they dump it in the ocean. Like, I don't know, were you surprised by that? Because that, I mean, I kind of knew it, but it just kind of shocks me that you just like release it. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me. But then again, if it went into landfill and the, I don't know, landfill ended up somehow in the ocean. Mm. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense that the ocean should be a dumping ground for all of that. And especially, too, it's not just that it's sitting there or, like, affecting the wildlife, which, I mean, like, you know, you see pictures and commercials of sea turtles getting tangled up in plastic nets and stuff. But it's also Mm. breaking down into microplastics, which Mm -hmm. are being more recently discovered and studied, I guess. Um, yeah do you like have like a brief understanding that you would be able to explain to someone who doesn't know what microplastics are um I haven't studied them much but basically like when plastic breaks down it you know it doesn't decompose like any organic material that just turns back into organic carbon which goes into our soil and um can help nourish plants and the ground so like paper products are compostable and they can break down into organic carbon but plastic is a polymer um so it's like a very long chain of molecules and when it breaks down it breaks down into just like smaller and smart smaller pieces of that um i don't know like what those structures look like, but some microplastics um, can be very harmful to wildlife because, you know, they're small enough to consume when um, you drink the water. And so it ends up in your body. And so I think there's still a lot of unknowns around microplastics and their effects. Um, But I also know that, like, a lot of plastic materials contain harmful chemicals. And so when plastic breaks down slowly, those chemicals are released as well. And that can be very harmful for wildlife and for humans if it ends up in our drinking water. So that is scary. Yeah, that is something that, yeah, the documentary definitely shined a light on microplastics and I think that's something that a lot of people don't know about is you can end up with mercury, Mm -hmm. PCBs, all of these chemicals 
from plastics ending up in our waterways in the ocean and fish then consume these microplastics and then we consume that fish and um well I guess I mean breaking it down even further it's like going into like photoplankton and go it's like it's bioaccumulation essentially and um I remember Mm -hmm. learning about that in AP bio in high school um and kind of understanding it but when you think of like say I eat say I, I eat tuna like that tuna is going to eat many other smaller fish and those smaller fish are eating um, that plankton. Like they are going. And so as it accumulates, you know, upwards, like you're getting a lot more of those tiny fish and then the tuna eats it and they're eating tons of those. And then I eat the tuna and I'm eating, you know, it's just, it's crazy to think and scary to think of all of the toxins I'm ingesting in my body when I just eat a food that I think is normal or healthy you know yeah because when fish consume a toxin it doesn't just get you know digested and cleaned out of them it accumulates in like their liver or um their internal organs because a lot of toxins are biological um molecules and so they stay there (laughs) and we eventually eat that and um yeah that's just something to be aware of I guess because even if you're not directly consuming the water or the toxins in the water um you could be adversely affected by eating fish Mm -hmm. which is scary and I think we all want to just eat our food and not worry about Mm -hmm. the backstory. Mm -hmm. But I think we can all be honest that like the backstory is important. Um, And I can't say for sure that I will never eat fish again, but I think after that documentary, I'm definitely going to look at fish differently and make, if Mm -hmm. I can make other choices then I might. Um, And this isn't telling you that like, if you eat meat or if you eat fish or whatever, that you're a bad person, Um, I think it just depends on every single one of us. We need to look at our choices and see what sort of adjustments we can make for our own health and for the world's health. And I think, too, just understanding and exploring more of where your food is coming from, whether that's fish or meat or even vegetables. Like, we, I think like since the industrial revolution or whenever um well maybe more the agricultural revolution but after like we stopped producing our own food and just going to the market instead and getting whatever um you're going to eat from there you're not seeing the whole process of how your food is grown what kind of chemicals are put on it um yeah what like kind of practices are used how animals are treated um and I think we have just become so used to seeing things in package packages at the grocery store and that's food to us but um Mm. I I mean I have become really interested in farming recently and I think it's just so fascinating Mm. to see to literally see your food come out of the ground um 
right like the very origins of it and I don't know I just feel so much more connected to the earth when I've eaten something that I've grown myself or seen somebody else grow or know that it's coming from a local farmer or something like that um but yeah what have you grown last summer was my first time trying to pick my own vegetable garden and I grew tomatoes and Mm -hmm. cucumbers and zucchini um I had one little tiny strawberry plant and then I had some herbs as Mm -hmm. well um and I also spent a little bit of time last summer volunteering on an urban farm where they grew a whole variety of foods so like bok choy and potatoes Mm. and cabbage broccoli um peppers lots of tomatoes yeah Mm. wow that seems really cool and yeah it's something we've definitely talked about is like the possibilities of like what we can make and whether it's now in our lives or like down the road maybe uh running a farm just like you know, not like I could, I could never do like a huge, massive mm-hmm. farm, but you know, like small, local, little homestead. Um, but yeah, I've been inspired by, by you and by other people I know. Um, there's even some like urban garden patches near where I live. And it's really awesome always to see people just out there working, you know, they might not have the yard space. And so that having those like community gardens, sometimes you have to like, buy, like rent out the plot. Um, and you might only get a certain amount of square footage, but that is still a really awesome way to like get people connected to the earth, grow some of their own food, um, and just, you know, have people right next to you that you can probably ask questions and um, figure out the best methods for maybe, maybe your, um, I don't mm-hmm. even know, tomatoes, I guess, or anything. But, um, that is something that I would like to pursue one day is like having a little homestead. I know for myself, I envision probably chickens. I just love, I think chickens are funny. I think they're kind of cute. Also kind of scary sometimes if they're big, mean chickens. But um, where I lived last year, the house had chickens. And so a couple of times I went in and like found their eggs. And I honestly, like, of course I know where eggs come from, but like just seeing them in the nesting box, like this just came out of the chicken. They don't like, need it it's like not fertilized or you're not for fertilized what mm-hmm. am I trying to say you know what I mean like it's it's just an egg it's just sitting there you can take it it's beautiful like the colors are so much better than like the white store-bought chicken eggs mm-hmm. um but yeah that's my passion is like definitely chickens and I don't know do you have any like plants that you dream of growing one day mm-hmm. any good um- food if I lived on a warmer climate, I would love to grow like fruit trees. Cause that's something that you can't really do in <laughs> Minnesota, except for apple trees. Um, that would be fun. But mm-hmm. yeah, I would love to grow like lemon or peach trees. Um, mm. I don't know. I just like the idea. Or avocados. Oh, that would be amazing. Ooh. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. This summer, I'm going to try to experiment a little more with a more variety of vegetables, but I think it would be fun to have chickens as well, mm-hmm. um, or maybe goats, mm-hmm. depending on how much land I have, but 
Ooh. We'll see if I get there. Yeah. I think goats. I would like goats. Yeah. They're kind of cute. Um, this is a quick fun fact about goats is their um what am I trying to think of? It's their eye, like their their iris. Is that what mm. it's called? Like our color, our pupil, our pupil. There we go. Their pupil is rectangular oh, that's shape. So interesting. Right? Like we have our little round circular ones. And if you've ever seen a goat, yeah, like their eyes scary. are kind of freaky. And maybe that's why. I've noticed that they're different. <laughs> rectangular shape. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But I would probably still have a goat. I would get some cute little small ones and I would name them. I would mm-hmm. definitely name my animals. Even the chickens? <laughs> probably the chickens. Unless I had right. a ton. Right. Then I wouldn't, you know, but take that here's time. here's the question. Would you kill a chicken? Oh, that is the question. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on if I ate meat um, or maybe I could just like sell the chicken to someone and they could kill it and <laughs> get it and, you know, do everything. Um, I kind of look at that as better because I'm not, it's not like a mass produced farm and um, free range <laughs> as I liked it. <laughs> like to think about which sometimes I wonder and I've never looked into it like, you know, we have free range chickens that you can buy their eggs at the stores, but like, what does free range mean? Like I was watching, was watching an episode of comedians in cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, which I'm just going to plug is a really funny show. If you're into comedy or like analyzing comedy, um, love that show with Jerry Seinfeld, but they were making, I forget what the episode was. I apologize, but they were making a joke about like free range chickens and Jerry's like, well, like, it's not like they're like home on the range, free range. They're not like, want to go out on the range, you know? I'm sure it's just like a couple more feet or, you know, whatever compared to our big industrial um, chickens. So I don't know what free range means for those eggs. I've heard but... that like to be labeled organic, chickens only need to be let outside like 30 days a year. Or something like that. Um, <gasps> but oh they intentionally do it at like a time of year after they've been like fattened up and can't walk. So, um, mm-hmm. well, when I say they, I mean like some big, like large mass produced organic farms. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, even, even label organic doesn't necessarily mean it's good practices um or humane practices Mm -hmm. which is frustrating I feel like for the consumer you like want if you like go for like organic or free range or or if it's not chicken something else like um the -hmm. documentary will talk about dolphin safe um fish there's so many labels and sometimes it's just more like corporation gibberish like just lies mm-hmm. and that's it's frustrating did as you a know consumer. that the recycling symbols on plastics mean absolutely nothing <laughs> that they just invented the different <laughs> types of numbers to make you feel like you were doing something my gosh yeah, yeah that is that's like heartbreaking like we want if you're making choices and you're like going off of knowledge you think is true 
then it feels like a waste if you learn that it's, you know, you're not doing anything like that's so frustrating. Um, like how can we actually make a positive impact? (laughs) Which is, I think the question that we are all seeking and I can say, I cannot give you that answer. (laughs) I wish I could, but I cannot. I think, I mean, there's obviously no way that one person can save the planet. Um, and individually there's not a ton we can do except try to live more sustainably and do that because of you know your beliefs what you feel called to do um but it's definitely something we collectively have to do as people on this earth is to make decisions together about the way our societies are set up and the practices that happen. Um, So not to get political, but it definitely Mm -hmm. makes a difference how you vote and um, whoever is leading us in the policies that they support um, is really what's going to make those big shifts in society. Yes, very much so. I agree with that statement. And just to leave uh, you with some words of encouragement is wherever you're at in your journey of understanding where we're Mm -hmm. at with climate change or eating habits, um, just taking care of our planet, I think just, just take the time. Like that's like the most I can say, take the time to learn and make the decisions that feel right for you. But when I say for you, I mean your comfort level of thinking about the world and the bigger Mm -hmm. picture. Like don't overwhelm yourself, but also be realistic that you can make changes on your end um, and know that you can make changes and you can be knowledgeable in certain topics to a certain extent. So just take the time and um, yeah, figure out what works works for you. Um, But thank you, Kari, for joining me today. And I think it was just, interesting just to hear about uh, your journey and how how we both want to take care of this planet, but it is hard. Um, But yeah, I just thank you so much for being on here today. Um, And I just want, yeah, oh, it was wonderful. Um, And I hope you all listening are having a good day. And if you're not, take a moment to breathe and remember that we care about you and you are loved. Um, Yeah, so Thanks, you guys, and I will catch you on the next episode.